you, thank you so much for having me here this afternoon. It is such a pleasure to be presenting on this platform. Now, I want to say good afternoon to everyone that is hearing my voice, to the Madam Speaker, uh, Mr. Dr. Williams, it's a pleasure being here with you, and to the host and all the parents and teachers hearing the sound of my voice. Now, today we'll be looking at two different types of physical disability. The first one is dwarfism and the other one is cerebral palsy. Now, I know you are going to want to take some information based on the topics that I'm going to discuss because I'm going to talk about the symptom, the causes, and the diagnosis. So please take out your books and your pen and get ready to make some notes. Thank you. Now, I'm hoping that we all have our pens and pencil outs ready to take some notes. So let's zoom in on the first type of physical disability, which is dwarfism. What is dwarfism? Dwarfism is a short stature that results from a genetic or medical condition. Dwarfism is generally defined as an adult height of 4 feet and 10 inches, which is also 100 47 centimeter or even less the average height or the average adult height among people with dwarfism is four feet which is 122 centimeters many different medical conditions cause dwarfism in general the disorder is divided in two groups or the disorders are divided into two broad categories one is the disproportionate disproportionate dwarfism and proportionate dwarfism what is disproportionate dwarfism we may ask as the word suggests disproportionate the if the body size body size is disproportionate some parts are some parts of the body are small while other parts of the body is average size or even above average size disorders causing disproportionate excuse me let me just repeat this so disorders causing disproportionate dwarfism inhibits the development of the bone what i'm trying to say basically is that some part of the body disproportionate dwarfism is that some part of the body may be small while others are average size or a little bigger while proportionate dwarfism is a body that is proportionate small so the entire body is small as according to the disproportionate dwarfism which one part smaller and one part average side the proportion dwarfism is that the entire body is small so let me just explain to you what i'm saying now proportionate dwarfism a body is proportionately small if all parts of the body are small to some degree or appears to be proportionate like a body or an average stature 
medical condition present at birth or apparently in early childhood limit overall growth and development so some persons refer to the term as short stature or little people so these are what they call the dwarves they call them little people instead of calling them the right term which is dwarf or dwarfism some so it is important to be sensitive to the preference of someone who has this disorder in other words find out if the person is okay with you calling them little people or little man instead of using the correct term which is dwarf or dwarfism small stature disorder do not include family familial stature familial stature short height that's considered a normal variation with normal bones development all right so let's just look at some of the signs and symptoms of dwarfism first we're looking at disproportionate dwarfism most people with dwarfism have disorder that causes disproportionate state short stature usually this means that people have an average side trunk and a very short limb but some people may have a very short trunk and shortening or shortening but disproportionate large limbs and this disorder the head is the disproportionate large compared to the body although all persons or all people with disproportionate dwarfism have a normal intellectual cap- capacity rare expectation are usually the result of a second factor such as the exceed fluids around the brain the most common cause of dwarfism is a disorder called achondroplasia which causes disproportionate short stature this disorder usually results in the following a short average side chunk small arms or short arms and legs with particularly short upper arm and upper leg short fingers often with a wide separation between the middle and ring finger limited mobili- mobility at the elbow a disproportionately large head with a prominent forehead and a flattened bridge of the nose an adult height of 4 feet which is 122 cm a progressive development of bowed leg or a pro- progressive development of swayed lower back and some symptoms in the proportionate dwarfism Um, it is result of medical condition presented at birth are appearing in early childhood 
that limits overall growth and development. So the head, trunks, limbs are all small, but they are proportionate to each other. Because this disorder affects overall growth, many of them result in poor development of one or more body system. Growth hormone deficiency is a relatively common cause of proportionate dwarfism. It occurs in when it occurs when the pituitary glands fails to produce our adequate supply of growth hormones, which is essential for normal childhood growth. So some signs include growth rate slower than expected for age, delay or no sexual development during the teen years, height below the third percentile, or on standard pediatric growth chart. Alright, so let's zoom in on some of the causes of dwarfism. Most dwarfism related conditions are genetic disorder, but the cause of some disorder are unknown. Most occurrence of dwarfism result from a random genetic mutation, mutation in either the, the father sperm or the mother egg, rather than from either pairing complete genetic makeup. So some of the causes are achondroplasia, Turner syndrome, growth hormones deficiency, sorry, let me please repeat that word, deficiency, and other causes. Other causes of dwarfism include um, other genital disorder in hormones or poor nutrition. Sometimes the causes are even unknown. The next thing that we're going to look at is the diagnosis of the dwarfism. Your pediatrician will likely examine a number of factors to access your child's growth and to determine whether he or she has a dwarfism-related disorder. In some cases, disproportionate dwarfism may be suspected during prenatal ultrasound if very short limb disorder to the chunk are noted. Diagnosis tests may include measurements, appearance, imaging technology, or genetic tests, family history, or hormone tests. So these are some of the ways in which the diagnostic test can may include so first you have to measure the baby to see if he or she is at the certain height the head the circumference of the head the weight of the body the entire body so all of these have to take in order so you have to measure the baby to see 
the appearances. You have to zoom in on how the baby look. If one limb is shorter than the other. If he's supposed to be a little bit taller at his age. So certain things you can take into consideration. And these are just some of the tests, the diagnostic tests that may be used when measuring the when sorry when diagnosis the dwarfism disorder and next thing that we might look at is the specialist in your care team may include all right so we're going to zoom in on the treatments of dwarfism no understand that even though there are treatments to dwarfism it doesn't mean that they're going to um change the height of these dwarfs the goal of the treatment is to maximize function and independence most dwarfism treatment don't increase stature but may correct or release problem caused by the complication and all of these treatments are done surgically so only surgical treatments can be done so the surgical procedures that may correct problem in people with disproportionate dwarfism include correcting the direction in which bones are growing, stabilizing and re-correcting the shape of the spine, increasing the size, increasing the size of the opening in bones of the spine the vertebrae and elevating pressure on the spinal cord placing trunks to remove excessive excessive fluids around the brain if it occurs so these are just some of the surgical treatments So we're going to be looking at a next. I hope I'm not losing anybody now. Are you here still here with me, everyone? Alright. So the next physical disability that we're going to be looking at or we're going to be zooming on today is the cerebral palsy. Cerebral, what is cerebral palsy? Have you ever heard this word before? Well, cerebral palsy is a condition that affects body movement due to brain injury the injury can happen between during or even after birth and does not get worse over time the brain damage affects the body movement and posture it often shows up as either floppy or stiff muscle or involuntary muscle movement cerebral palsy can affect movement coordination muscle tone and posture it can also be associated with impaired vision hearing speech eating and even learning the damage to the brain is permanent unfortunately yes it is permanent and it has no cure Life expectance is normal or near normal in males 
cerebral palsy. But the effects of cerebral palsy can cause stress on the body and premature aging. Now, there are four main types of cerebral cerebral palsy, and it it is depending on which section of the brain has injuries. So based on where in the brain that you have injuries that affects a particular body part, so different cerebral cerebral palsy um, has it, it it depends on where on the body that it is not functional, which part of the body has stiff or floppy muscles, right? So based on the body, this is how they tell the different types of cerebral palsy. The first one that we're going to look at today is the spastic, in which the muscles are weak and stiff and movements are awkward. So either one arm or both arms or legs may be affected. So with the spastic cerebral palsy, is either one leg or one arm or even or both legs and both arms are affected on the side on the same side of the body are even different so you can have one leg one arm or both legs and arms being affected with the spastic cerebral palsy the next one that we're going to look at is dyskinetic in which the muscle move uncontrollable or cause involuntary posture this is caused by the muscles of the arms legs and body contracting and reflexing if the muscle of the face and tongue are affected talking is difficult and this may cause drooping so yes so this kinetic can cause you know some of them sometimes you see person that they're talking and you see a little water or from or froth coming from their mouth so this is the the um cere- cerebral palsy that caused that all right the next one the next type of cerebral palsy is ataxic in which movements appear jerky and clumsy due to problems with balance and coordination it can lead to unsteady walking and difficulty with rapid movement. People with ataxic cerebral palsy may also experience involuntary shaking of the hands. And the last one that we're going to look at today, the last type of cerebral palsy is the mix. And the mix is all of them diverse. So they can have all of them the the disconnectic, the ataxic, and the spastic. So when they have all of them, or they have two of each, so this is mixed, so they don't only have one. And the mix is in which the person shows a range of the above characterization. So not only that they're having the droop or the stiff muscles in their arms or their legs, but they're probably shaking and having movement problem. They can even have um, awkward in movement and even in talking too. So the mix is all the above characteristics combined. 
or having more than one characteristic characteristic from each of this cerebral palsy now what i want you to do for me now is just to take a look at this video and then we will get back to the causes the symptom and the treatment of the cerebral cerebral palsy So let us now zoom into some of the symptoms of the cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy causes a range of symptoms, and the most often ones are being stiff or flappy, having muscle weakness, lack of muscle coordination, uncontrolled body movement problems with balance and coordination problems with swallowing sucking and or eating using one side of the body to reach for something or to reach for things delay in speech and learning to speak so those are some of these are some of the symptoms that can be mild or severe they are usually appeared they usually appear in a child first two years of life people with cere cerebral palsy may or may not have these condition or may or may not have other conditions such as intellectual disability epilepsy Delayed growth, delayed growth, spinal deformity, deformities, and trouble with seeing, hearing, and speaking. So those are some of the symptoms that may occur in this disability. What causes cere cerebral palsy? Cerebral palsy occurs when there is a damage. To the developing brain in the area that controls muscle tone the motor cortex cortex so that is what the muscle tone is called the more the motor cortex an injury to the fetus is sometimes caused by low oxygen level poor circulation infection or trauma in some cases the brain fails to develop normally in the fetus depending on the damage the cerebral palsy affects people in different ways to different extent risk factors for cerebral palsy are prematurity and low birth weight some pregnancy complication and infecting infection caught by the mother during pregnancy prolonged loss of oxygen during pregnancy or child's birth a severe jaundice after birth injury or bleeding in the baby brain being a twin triplet or multiple birth 
mutation in genes that affects the brain development. So those are some of the causes of cere cerebral palsy. How can cerebral palsy be diagnosed? Your doctor might consider a diagnostic or diagnostic of cerebral palsy based on your child's symptoms and examination. They will talk to you and your child and examine them physically and run some tests including hearing and vision. They may refer you to a pediatrician. Other tests of cerebral palsy may include imaging of the brain such as ultrasound, CT, scan, CT scans, or MRI. These tests can help to distinguish between cerebral palsy and other possible causes. You might have a referral for a blood test to exclude other causes of the muscle problem are of muscle problems if your child has other associated condition such as ep epilepsy there might be another range of tests such as the EEG which is the brain active test it may take repeated tests and visit to the doctor to arrive at a definite diagnosis of cerebral palsy, particularly in mild cases. Diagnosis may take months, even years, although this can be very frustrating and the time is needed. It is important to get diagnosed right. Also, the sign and symptoms of cerebral palsy don't change with time it may be important to wait and to see whether things get worse or better in which cases probably a different condition usually a confirmed diagnosis of cerebral palsy is made by the time the child is two how is cerebral palsy managed, you may ask? Even though cerebral palsy cannot be cured and a lot can be done to manage the condition, children in particular can benefit from the service of a team of health professionals to help with mobility, speech, seeing, and hearing, eating and drinking, pain, learning, control of bladder and bowel, and even the emotional well-being. So you see, even though it can't be cured, it can still be managed by doing these things. But first, you have to get a professional, a health professional. I just saw someone type if um type this question let me repeat before i answer can cerebral cerebral palsy be prevented let me answer that question there is 
there is still no way to prevent cerebral palsy. However, making it law to wear seat belts and to use pool fencing and given giving rubella vaccine vaccination have all brought the rate to cerebral palsy down in australia australia um sometimes baby who have a high risk of cerebral palsy may receive medication or be treated with cooling therapy to reduce the risk of severity of the condition all right i hope you all got something and you learned something from today's presentation i am now going to hand over to madam host thank you miss samuels for having me over to you